Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Taking advantage of people, 10 extra percent on what you give it back. You know, let's don't do that to one another in Christ. Amen. Nehemiah, because he feared the Lord, he took care of people that were in need. 150 people he had to take. And people from other nations, other countries. I would encourage us here to be looking for opportunity to give to someone in need. I mean, this would be a great time just as a witness for the Lord even. If there are people that you know that are in a place of need, this would be a great time to meet that need, to reach out. Everywhere we look in our current culture, we see people being taken advantage of in some way or another. We witness schools and reputable members of society and even churches do things for their own gain and to the detriment of others. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you need to take every opportunity to do everything you can to reach out and meet the needs of those who need it most. No matter if you think you're ready for the challenge or not, God will be your support and make it happen. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Nehemiah calls for something pretty radical. And most times, repentance will be radical. There's going to be real change. It's going to be radical change. And this would be be very radical. He says, look, first of all, um, he lets them know that him and his servants are lending money. Now, he's not lending money for usury. He's not lending money for a profit. Um, But he said, look, I've been lending in order to help people out in a hard time. But he says, look, let this usury stop. And so you guys have already taken more than you should have from them. So this is how you're going to fix it. Restore now to them, he said, even this day. So some of them, some of these Jews, they had someone else's vineyard, someone else's land, someone else's home, someone else's kids. They said, give it all back today. And don't just give it back. Give it back with some of the money that you overtook while you had it. And give them some grain so they have something to eat. Because why should there be people among us that are suffering and poor while you're over here balling and rich off of them, off of taking advantage of them? He said, this, this got to end today. And it's, it's radical. And this is what repentance looks like. Right? What you guys did wrong, you're going to stop it today. And you're going to make it right. I don't know anybody here has ever had to repent of something. Uh, I know when I first came to God, there were lots of things to repent of. And some of it was very radical. There was no nice way. You know, one of the first things God called me when I gave my life to Christ, God made it very clear. You're not going to walk with all, the, all your old friends and walk with me not going to be possible. And, you know, I had a lifetime of friends that were like me, we're non-believers. We drank together. We sinned together. We did all kinds of stuff together. Then I got born again and God was like, no, nah, I want you to come out from among them and be separate. I tried a couple times to like, let me see if I can do both. And what I found out very quickly was I can't do both. That fallen nature, he's very quickly drawn back into the old stuff. And so God was like, you can't do both. And it was a radical thing for me at 19, at 19 years old, to just say, I'm cutting off all my friends, getting rid of my pager. Because back then we didn't have, we didn't have, we had cell phones, but they were this big, you know? So it was really the pager, letting that go and letting other things go and just starting over, starting scratch. But you know what? It was amazing. I still look back to that as one of the best periods of my life as God got a hold of me, God delivered me from things. I had no idea what that season, but it was radical. And there were other things that God will call, and it was radical. If you got to stop using drugs, you got to throw away all the paraphernalia. 
lose all the numbers, get rid of all the contacts. You got to burn the bridges behind you and, you know, kick the bridge and burn. You got to just end it all. You know, their relationships, they got to be toasted, you know, whatever that means. If there are things that God is calling you to repent of, don't do a light repentance. That's, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to come away from it and see how it goes, but leave the door. No, burn the bridge. Break up the relationship. Tell them they ugly now. I don't ever want to see you again. I mean, end it with a finality so that you don't go back to it because that's what repentance looks like. Repentance is radical. It is a complete 180. And so that's what Nehemiah calls them to. You've been robbing. Now you're not going to rob anymore. You're going to give back everything you took and you're going to give back money and give them some grain. That's what he's calling on them to do. Verse 12. So they said, we will restore it and we will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And so they're, they're acknowledging that Nehemiah is correct. They're submitting to his leadership um, and what he's called them to do. Then it says that Nehemiah called the priests and required an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. So he's also had to call the priest in. And so it would make you think that the, the priest was, weren't doing right. So he tell the, you know, it looked like he gave the priest, you know, he, he talked to the group and he said he had to call the priest and say, come here, y'all. You guys need to follow these rules too. And what a shame if the priests were doing this, were taking advantage of the people, the spiritual representatives to the nation of Israel. And so we see in our day, though, we see right now, today, it's so sad. There are televangelists, I won't name them, but they're, they're saying, you know, everybody's teaching Psalm 91 and they're saying, you know what, this is a, I got a special coronavirus prayer. And if you just send in your love gift of $91. That's not for me. That was, I mean, you can Google it. They're on YouTube. But if you just sitting in $91, God's going to heal this thing. God's going to, yeah. Anybody, anybody in your household, this is like the blood on the door. You send this $91 in and God's going to, them people in trouble with God. They got to, they got to meet him one day. And I think about all the hurting, scared people that probably sent in $91 hoping for their coronavirus cure. And the sad thing is some of them that was never going to get it in the first place, when they don't get it, they're going to be like, see, I sent that $91 and it worked, you know, and they'll be victimized again and again. When spiritual leaders do this, understand that it don't matter what it looks like this side of heaven. It looks like people getting away with murder. No one's getting away with anything. They will give an account for every word that they have misspoken in the name of the Lord. Every person that they've taken advantage of, misled, lied to, There'll be an account given for those things. And so as we look here, Nehemiah calls the priest in and says, you guys need to do the same thing. You guys are spiritual leaders. And they commit also to follow his lead. Verse 13, Nehemiah tells them, this is what's going to happen if you don't. So y'all are all agreeing today. If you don't keep this word, this is what's going to happen. He says in verse 13, then I shook out the fold of my garment and said, so may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and empty. And so Nehemiah just gave him a visual. He had the, the fold of his garment. He shook it out in front of everybody. He says, may God shake you out of your house and out of your property. Anybody that doesn't keep this promise that everybody made today. And you know, at this point, the end of verse 13, it says, and all the assembly said, amen, and praise the Lord. Then the people did according to the promise. That's the important part. So this is a success today. 
Nehemiah confronted the problem that they were having. He rebuked them. The rebuke was very clear. He told them what they were doing wrong and what they needed to do to get it right. And the people responded appropriately to the rebuke. And so now things can get back on track. And so just for us in the as New Testament believers, this is also what it should look like. If you get corrected. Anybody here ever been corrected? If you've ever been corrected, you know, someone's called you on the carpet and said, you did that. It was wrong. And then you, it, you have to acknowledge it. And then you have to repent of it. And then everything is right. Everything is where it needs to be again. Right. That's the beauty of repentance. When you repent, does God forgive? Absolutely. Um, he says, if you cover your sin, he who covers his sins will not prosper. Proverbs 28, 13. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And so as you confess it and forsake it, turn away from it. God says, I'll be merciful to you, but you're not going to continue in sin and be OK. And so here they've been confronted. They've submitted and they glorify God in that. They glorify God in repenting. And now again, the work has come to a halt. All this time that they've been doing this, they're not building the wall right now. They have meetings and assemblies and gatherings. The work is halted, but now they're going to be able to get back to the work. And so this is why, and I want to, I guess, just impress this upon us as Christians. This is why it's so important that we fight for unity in the body and that we have nothing to do with division in the body of Christ because it brings the work to a halt. The focus becomes us instead of them. God's called us as a church to come together to focus on how we can reach them out there. Amen. We're praying for how to reach them. We're going out to share the gospel with them. We're being built up in the word so we can go out and be lights in the dark for them, to be a witness for them. But if we start fighting among ourselves, all of our energy, focus, attention is on that. And now we're not concerned with what God wants us to be concerned with, which is reaching out to them. Now, starting in verse 14, we're going to learn of the generosity of Nehemiah. He's going to share with them what he's been doing because he is a man that fears the Lord. Verse 14, it says, moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year until the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate from the governor's provisions. Let me say this. When Nehemiah first got opportunity to ask the king for what he wanted, everybody remember that, you know, he had been praying to the Lord because he was burdened for Jerusalem, burdened to see the walls go up. And when the king saw that he was troubled and said, you know, what is it that you want? What do you need? His first response was to do what? He prayed. He didn't answer the king until he prayed. He prayed. And then he had, he had very specific requests. He wanted provisions, permission to go build the wall, provisions. Um, so the king gave him everything he needed for the rebuilding of the wall and protection for the journey. He got everything he asked for. He never asked to be governor, but he got that too. And it's just a reminder that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. And so he asked for what God told him, amen? And God said, I'm going to do that and you'd be the governor. I'm going to put you in charge down there. I'm going to need some godly leadership over there. And so he's been governor all this time, verse 4. So he said, the whole time I was here as governor, I never ate the king's provisions. What's he saying? I didn't take advantage of my position as governor. I didn't outshine my brother. He's the governor. He had access to provisions and his brother didn't have access. He said, I didn't do that. The whole time I was here, I lived with you guys. I lived like you guys. I didn't take advantage of something that was available to me. 
Can anybody think of somebody else in the New Testament that did this? The Apostle Paul, as he lived among certain people, he said, look, I had a right to receive from you guys while I was with you, but because they were weaker believers and he didn't want them to be stumbled, he says, I worked among you. He, he built tents. I didn't have to. You guys should have taken care of me, but I didn't take from you because he didn't, he, I don't want you guys to be able to say that I came and I took advantage of you guys. So he worked the whole time building tents while he, in, in certain areas. And so um, moving on, verse 15, it says, but the former governor, so he said, look, I didn't take anything from you guys, but the former governors who were before me, they laid burdens on the people and they took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. He tells us why he did this. He said, look, but, but, and he make, he, he's making a contract. He's not bragging. He's just saying, look, I'm not like the people that were before me. The governors before me, they took advantage of this. They took from the food. They took the 40 shekels of silver. Even the other governors before me, their servants had rule over the people. And he says, I didn't do this. And the reason I didn't do this was because of the fear of God. And I believe that Nehemiah is trying to lead them by example because everything that they just did to one another was a result of the fact that they didn't fear the Lord. He's letting them know now, look, guys, I'm, I'm, look at how I'm living among you. I'm not taking some of what I could take. In a moment, he's going to share how he's been generous. And he said, look, I'm doing this because of the fear of the Lord, because I fear God. Verse 16, indeed, I also continued the work on the wall and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered together for the work. Nehemiah makes it a point. I didn't buy land. I wasn't out here buying houses and getting wealthy and getting stuff for myself. I was here doing the work, building the wall. Verse 17, and at my table were 150 Jews and rulers besides those who came from the nations around us. So he said, look, at my table daily, these are the people that he fed, 150 Jews besides there were people, there were also people from other nations. There were also non-Jews that he invited to his table. Verse 18, now that which was prepared daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowl was prepared for me. And once every 10 days, an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions because the bondage was heavy on this people. And he says, look, I fed 150 people plus some foreigners, every day I had to kill an ox, birds, six choice sheep. Every 10 days they had wine in abundance. He said, but I did this all out of my own pocket because I realized that the bondage was heavy on the people. And so he's not bragging about his generosity. He's just stating that I'm giving you guys an example to follow. Should God put you in the position when you can, we still need to pray about rather we should. Amen? Sometimes God will put you in a position where you can take something and and it's not what he wants. God doesn't want you to take it. And so there has to be enough of us that we fear the Lord, that we reverence the Lord, that we run that by God. Lord, is, is, would this be expedient for me? Is this going to be the best move for me to take advantage of this or not? Sometimes it's a blessing and we can take it and be grateful for it. Other times you're going to realize that, no, nah, don't take that. You know, don't, don't receive it and leave it there for whatever reason. And so we want to let the Lord be Lord of all that. The last verse, verse 19, he says, remember me my God, for good, according to all that I have done to this people. And he closed out this chapter, not telling the people to remember him. He said, God, you remember me. 
Remember me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. And this is what he's saying. Who's he want the reward from? The Lord. Never mind these people. That's going to be important for us as well. If we work and we serve and we deal with difficult people and we deal with difficult scenarios as believers, we want to be careful that we're not looking to people for recognition, looking for people to reward us. And so a couple verses I'd like you to write down. Um, one of them is Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. There the apostle Paul says, whatever you do, do it heartily. That means with all your heart and as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. And Paul said, look, whatever it is that you're doing, don't do it for men, do it for the Lord. Do it all for the Lord. That's who you're going to receive the reward from. That's who we're serving in the first place. And then the next verse I'd like you to write down, this just comes to, you know, dealing with dealing with poor, dealing with the needy around us. It's um, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. And it says, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. See, the old King James said, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will pay him back. And so Nehemiah had been gracious with the poor. He had been gracious with those that were in need around him. And he wasn't looking for the poor people to give back to him later. He said, he was just, Lord, I'm looking to you. I did it for you. I did it out of, because I fear you, because I reverence you. And so as we end this chapter, a few practical things for us. Um, number one, I would challenge all of us here that we would be careful of being a part of any kind of division of the body of Christ. In any way, shape, or form, we don't want to be a part of division in the body of Christ because it hinders the work that God wants to do. And just like Nehemiah told them before these other nations, right? It's a bad look for non-believers when they look at believers squabbling. I'm looking at things on social media where believers are going in on each other. And I would imagine non-Christians are looking in like, why would I want to be a part of that? Why would I want anything to do with that? And so, so number one, we just want to make sure as believers that we're not a part of, in any way, shape, or form, we're dividing up Christ's body. Be careful. Um, number two, if, if you are in need of rebuke and someone comes with a rebuke for you, and this is important because some people's default is to be defensive when rebuked. Somebody come with a correction, and before they get half it out their mouth, you're getting ready to tell them why they're not right. Don't do that, right? If someone's coming with a correction to you and it's biblical and you know that they're correct, you need to receive it humbly. It could be a child. It could be a spouse. It could be a friend. It could be a member in the church. If they're correct, you want to humbly receive it and make the adjustment necessary. On the same note, on the same token, flip the coin over. If God's put you in people's lives and you see error, don't be that Christian that, so much wants to be everybody's friend that you don't correct people, that you don't rebuke them. And this is what will happen. If you rebuke someone and they end up not being your friend anymore, was that even a good friend in the first place? No. So if, if I go to someone and say, hey, bro, because I'm going in love, I'm going with the purest of motive, I'm going with scripture, and I would expect a, 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 you know, a solid Christian to say, hey, you know what? Thanks, man. Thank you for you know, helping me get that part of my walk with the Lord on point. I appreciate it. 
If they end up turning and just they don't want to talk to me no more and they, you know, they write a nasty post about me and they're like, people always getting in your business or whatever. Probably not my friend anyway. And so the thing goes both ways. We want to be faithful to rebuke when necessary. That's being a good friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Amen. I need those close to me. The people close to me are going to see what's wrong with me the fastest. I need them to be honest and say, hey, bro, that's not okay, you know, or whatever. And so we want to receive rebuke humbly, and we want to also give rebuke when necessary. The goal of rebuke is so people can repent and get right with God. So we're helping when we do that. Another practical note, just from what we read tonight, we saw that there were people that were in debt to rich people that could have easily let them off the hook. And so I would just throw this out there. Maybe there's some of us that have the people that are in debt to us and we need to just release them in Jesus name. Just let them let them off the hook. You know, if you can afford to do that, I would encourage you to do that, that you wouldn't. You know, I, I know this. I don't like to loan stuff to people. Because what I found happens is you loan something to somebody, and if they don't have it to give you back, when they see you coming, they're like, they, they they start ducking and and running. It's like, man, just forget about it. You know, it, it's sometimes better, and that's kind of been a rule for me. If I can't give it, I won't loan it, because I don't want I don't want this ongoing thing going back and forth. So if I can't afford to give it to you, then I just can't do it. You know, and if I can, then then there, I just let it let it let it be with the Lord. So. And then maybe maybe you got people that owe you something with some debt, with some extra. Um, you know, have you heard this tonight? You know, maybe you out there in Facebook land, you taking advantage of people, 10 extra percent on what you give it back. You know, let's don't do that to one another in Christ. Amen. Nehemiah, because he feared the Lord, he took care of people that were in need. 150 people eating at his table and people from other nations, from other countries. I would encourage us here to be looking for opportunity to give to someone in need. I mean, this would be a great time. Just as a witness for the Lord, even if there are people that you know that are in a place of need, this will be a great time to meet that need. Reach out. You know, that was something I was praying about. I'm like, God, what, what can the church do in a time like this? You know, uh, I think there's a few thoughts. I think that because the elderly people are, are really the most at risk, it would be a great time for the young people in the church to just serve our older people. Say, hey, what can we do for you guys? Can we go shopping for you? Can we you got, you know, let them stay up in the house. Let them stay out of the way of all of this stuff and just serve them. Be gracious and loving. And this would be a great time for us to serve them like that. If we know some parents, some single mom, someone that's so many people are out of work and they weren't planning to be out of work. And if you work hour to hour, this is rough. The bills are getting ready to not be able to be paid. And I know they're saying that you can't be kicked out of your apartment, but phone bills and other bills, they're going to be coming and they're going to be, they're going to be saying... Give me what you owe me. And so there are going to be people that are in need. It's coming really quickly. And so as the church, this is an opportune time. If you know of people in need and you're able, this would be a great time to just be gracious to people in Jesus' name. Amen? And lastly, as we talked a lot about division and how we don't want to be a part of that, if you have an issue with someone, I would encourage you to go seek out restoration. You wouldn't let it linger. You wouldn't let, especially in the household of faith in particular. If you're here and you're like, I, just, I, just, I got some Christians I can't stand. But, but we're going to heaven together, but I can't stand them. We got beef right now. I mean, you, you know it right now. It's fresh in your mind. You got believers that you got fresh beef with. It'd be great for you to humble yourself and, and go seeking 
to restore that. As much as it's possible with you, the Bible says, be at peace with all men. Amen? As much as you can do. You do the most you can do, and then if that doesn't work, you just leave it with the Lord. But do the most that you can do. We want to be at peace with all people for Christ's name's sake and because we fear the Lord. Amen? When is the last time you looked up from your own problems long enough to see the troubles in the world around you? In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington is focusing on the life of one man who not only noticed the trouble around him, but wept over it and then did something about it. That's right, we're diving into the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1 verses 2 through 4 says this, I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Take a moment and consider the state of the world around you. Really notice the heartache and pain, and then bring it before God and see if He wants you to do something about it. Thanks for listening to A Transforming Word as you let the Word transform you. It will inevitably lead to transforming the world around you too. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. You can check us out at calvaryinglewood.org. And then if you're in the area, make plans to come see us. But there's a lot more there than just our address. There's something for everyone. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back and we hope to see you too. See you next time right here on A Transforming Word. Mm -hmm.